Good morning, everybody. Everybody doing well? You know, it was something strange this morning. Family vacation that I just got back from looked a lot like men's retreats. I don't know. I mean, same place. I mean, yeah, yeah, we had a, we had a great time. We were gone last week, and I'm so grateful for uh, Lonnie and Tracy Robb and their family. I know they did service last week, and I know it was really good. And uh, it's good to be back with you. Uh, we missed being here, but we had a wonderful time with our family in Red River. And uh, who's excited about men's retreat? My gosh. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm going. Uh, Dylan asked if I could afford it, and I said no. So we're going to take an offering for my men's retreat right now. It's going to be $275. So, no, um, man. But we're going to have a great time. We'd love for you to go with us. I'm going to continue this morning on our series. Uh, I've spent this summer teaching on truth that changed our life. And when I say our, I mean Vicky and I. Uh, I received Christ as my Savior as a 12-year-old boy. Vicky and I got married. We were in our early 20s. And uh, we went to a church service, and she received Christ as her Savior uh, as a young woman. And uh, we began to be in trouble in our marriage early. And uh, just I didn't know how to be married. I wasn't very far away from my father dying in an accident. I'm a young man. He died when I was 18. I got married when I was 21. And uh, we were in trouble early. And I can tell you that Jesus rescued us. Jesus rescued and ransomed my life. He did the same for Vicky, and it changed us, and we began this journey. And as we started this journey called Christianity, called walking with God, uh, we learned things along the way that changed us. And uh, we've been teaching on that. The very first thing that I taught was when we found out that God was not mad at us. When I found out that because of what Jesus did on the cross, it made me righteous. And the word righteous means right standing with God. And in the Old Testament, when a man would sin, uh, he would bring an animal to the priest, and he would bring a lamb, or he would bring a goat, and they would bring an animal to the priest. And then his sin, his mistakes, his sin nature would be transferred to that animal. Then they would take the animal into the temple, and they would sacrifice it. And the animal's innocence paid for that man's sin, and that innocence was transferred to the man. Now, they did that over and over and over in the Old Testament. But when Jesus went to the cross, he did it for us once and for all. He was the lamb, the Bible says, that was slain from the foundation of the world. And here's what happened at the cross. My guilt was transferred to Jesus. His innocence was transferred to me. And I became righteous. You became righteous. And that meant that you're in right standing with God this morning and that God's not mad at you. Uh, men don't come to church for two reasons. Uh, they don't come because they feel guilty of either something they've done or said that week, and so they stay away, or they don't come because they owe a debt and they're behind. And I don't mean giving. I mean in their life. They feel like they're behind the eight ball. And, and here's the good news. You do owe a debt and you couldn't pay it, and Jesus went to the bank of heaven, and he paid off your debt. And you are square with God this morning. And so when you show up in God's house and we gather together, you're square with him. You don't owe anything. The debt's been paid. So you don't have to stay away from this place. You don't have to stay away from God in your life because the debt's been paid, and you're righteous, and he's not mad at you. That changed my life. I can't tell you enough how much that transformed my Christianity. The second thing that happened to us is when we received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we spoke in other tongues. I didn't grow up in that kind of church, didn't know anything about that. Uh, I went to a meeting at a Holiday Inn with my young wife, 
And they taught on it, and we received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, Paul asked some people, he said, hey, have you received the baptism, received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we didn't know there was any Holy Spirit. I was in that boat. And we received the Holy Spirit, and it changed us. It gave us the strength to live for God every day. Listen, it's not weird. It's not, it's not anything like that. It changed us. It helped us. And uh, it really transformed our life. The third thing that I talked about was the power of words. What you say matters. Your words matter. Your words affect your atmosphere in your own heart. Your words affect the atmosphere in your home. Your words are seed. And you're planting seed every day when you open your mouth. And it matters how you talk. And we begin to learn the promises of God. And then we begin to say what God was saying about us. We stopped saying what the news was saying. Uh, we stopped saying even what we were saying about ourselves. We stopped saying maybe what our mom said or maybe what a coach said, okay? And we started saying what God said. We began to find the promises of God. We didn't let anybody talk us out of them, okay? And we began to speak and we began to say the promises of God. And it changed our life. Uh, it does matter how you talk. It does matter how you talk to your children. It matters what you say over your children. You, you know how parents can be? Oh, this is the little whiny one. This is the bedwetter, and this is the one that won't eat anything. Right? And you speak that stuff over your kids every day instead of this is the blessed one, this is the holy one, and this is the righteous one. Right? This is the one that's going to do amazing things for God. We don't do that. And so I, it changed us when we began to learn that our words mattered and make a difference. The next thing I talked about was the integrity of God's word. We began to build our life on the promises of God. Here's what we did. We decided to believe the Bible. And we decided that we were going to make that the foundation of our life. And anytime we had a question about something, whether it was money or our kids or our jobs or our attitudes, we would ask ourselves, hey, I wonder what the Bible says. Listen, you and I live in a time today where you have access to the Bible like never before. You can get on Google, and you can put in a question, a phrase, a comment, and all kinds of verses will come up. When we grew up spiritually young, you couldn't do that. And you have access to the Word of God like never before. God's given it to us as a generation. And we built our life literally on the foundation of the truth of the Word of God. Here's what we decided. We decided the Bible's true. We decided it's the Word of God. We decided that all of it's the truth. And then we just begin to follow it to the best of our abilities. We begin to read it. We begin to trust it. Here's what we did. We started reading the Bible like the newspaper. What do you mean? Well, when people used to read the newspaper, some of you may still read it. You get online and read news. You believe everything you read. Well, we started doing the very same thing with the Bible. We believed it when we read it, and we didn't let anybody talk us out of it. The next thing I talked about was church and how we decided to start going to church. Listen, I'm so grateful you're here this morning. I'm so grateful that you made the decision to come to God's house. I'm so grateful that you're here and that we can worship together. And we decided to make church a part of our life. How many of y'all know what a, a splash pad is? Y'all know what a splash pad is? Okay, that's those, yeah, mamas know, right? Okay, in Amarillo, uh, and other cities like Amarillo, we're too small to have one. They pour these concrete pads, and they put all these little colorful tubes up, and they squirt water. 
and it's designed for children, a lot of times children who can't swim yet, but anybody can enjoy it. And you, it's on a hot summer day. You put your swimsuit on, you go out there, and it's in a sense, it's like running through the sprinkler. When we were kids, you know, we'd put the sprinkler on in the yard, and we'd run through the sprinkler. Well, all a splash pad is is a $100,000 sprinkler, okay? That, that's all it is. All right, listen, if you could ever realize that all church is is a spiritual splash pad, that's what this is. It's a spiritual splash pad. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, when you come in this place, you get refreshed, you get renewed, you get strengthened, you get encouraged. Listen, stop going to church out of duty. Stop going to church because it's your religious responsibility. Stop going to church because you, you need to please God. Stop doing that. You know, if you ever watched any kind of movies like Indiana Jones movies, I love those movies. You know, they're always looking for the uh, fountain of youth. You know, they're looking for that secret elixir that'll give them eternal life. Listen, you are setting in the fountain of youth. Okay, there is eternal life here, and it'll bring peace to your mind. It'll bring health to your body. It'll bring hope and joy to your life. Listen, when you stay away from here, what you're doing is staying away from the fountain of youth. You're staying away from the splash pad of God. You know, Lake McKenzie's full, and I'm so thankful for the rain. I'm so thankful that it's full. We love to go to the lake, and we go out there in the afternoon, and you know, I love it when it's 101 degrees, and you drive out to the lake, and we unload our boat, and I pull up and park and then we there's a little dock down there and I run down the end of that dock and I dive off into that cool lake water and then I roll over on my back and I wonder what all y'all are doing while I'm laying in that cool water and it refreshes you okay listen church is the very same way it refreshes you it renews you it strengthens you it encourages you don't think of it in any other way except that and when we begin to realize that see it, it begins to change us listen the the more you look for God the more you'll find him, the more he'll be there. All right, every time you come in this place, expect to be refreshed, expect to be encouraged. It's, it's a, there's a river of life flowing through this place, and I can tell you the water's good. The water's good. Jump in and get you some. And so that, that when we learned that, oh, man, it helped us and it changed us that this is a spiritual pl- a splash pad. Then the last thing we talked about last week was Galatians 3.13. And Galatians 3.13 says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law because it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through faith. And what we learned from that verse, what Vicki and I learned is that we're not cursed. You see, in the Old Testament, if you obeyed God, you were blessed. If you disobeyed God, you were cursed. It was called the law but then God made an irrevocable agreement with an old sheep herder named Abraham. It's called a covenant. And he told this sheep herder, he said, hey, listen, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to cut covenant with you. And it was a blood covenant, which is an irrevocable covenant. You see, the covenant you have with God now through Jesus is an irrevocable covenant. He can't take it back. Okay, I heard somebody preach the other day that uh, if you don't use what God gives you, he'll take it away. Listen, that's a lie. That's a lie. Okay, God's not an Indian giver, okay? He doesn't take things. I learned that when I was a kid, so whatever that means, right? When we were kids, right? He doesn't take things away from you. The book of Romans says that the gifts of God are without repentance. What does that mean? That means he doesn't change his mind and take it away from you. All right, we found out we're not cursed. Listen, the gray family's not cursed. Your family's not cursed. You don't have a curse on your family. Do you know why? Because Jesus took your curse. 
You deserve to be cursed, but you're not because Jesus took the curse. It says cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And what that means is Jesus hanging on the wooden cross and dying on that cross. He took your curse. He paid your debt. He paid for your sin. What does it say? It says that I'm redeemed. I've been purchased from the curse, and now I'm blessed. Now, you can go over into Deuteronomy 27 and 28, and you can read the curse of disobedience, and you can read the blessings of obedience. Listen, you and I live by faith. Jesus cut covenant with, God cut covenant with Jesus and paid the price and includes us in it. And you get everything in the kingdom. It says in Deuteronomy that I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed coming out. I get all that because Jesus paid the price. It changed my life. You see, I don't have to perform. I don't have to jump through the hoops. I don't have to be a little show dog to try to get God to be pleased with me. I don't have to sit up and beg for a treat. It changed my prayer life. Listen, if you've been begging God to do something, you don't ever have to do it again. He loves you. You belong to him, and you're not cursed. Listen, my children don't beg for anything. Amen? They don't beg. They come right in the front door and get right in the refrigerator. Right? They do, and they eat it, and I stock it. They eat it, I stock it. They eat it, and I stock it. I've got two refrigerators at my house, one in the kitchen and one in the garage, and I keep them loaded full time, and they get anything they want out of them. It's the same way with your heavenly Father. You don't have to beg for anything. Isn't that good? Doesn't that encourage you that we're redeemed from the curse? Listen, that truth changed our life. The next thing I want to show you this morning, if I could, I would preach this first. If I could go back to the beginning of the summer, I'd preach this first. I, I told you these are not in order of importance, and they're really not. But this really kind of set our lives, if you will, when Vicky and I decided that we wanted, to be, we wanted to be Christians. We wanted to be followers of Jesus Christ. So I want to read to you this morning out of Matthew uh, 22, starting with verse uh, 34. And let me read you some scripture. Let me tell you what this is. Vicky and I decided early on that we were going to be all in. We wanted to be 24-hour-a-day Christians. When I grew up, God was kind of a fireman in our family. You know what that is? You only call a fireman in case of emergency, right? You don't, you don't call 911 for fun. You get in trouble. I mean, if you took your phone out and called 911 and the lady or man said, hey, what's the emergency? And you said, oh, I don't have one. I just want to see what y'all were doing. Well, they send the police to your house, right? You, you get in trouble for abusing that. Okay, that's kind of how we treated God, see? My grandmother on my dad's side, she was a Pentecostal woman. She spoke in tongues. We loved her, and we were scared to death of her, okay? But when you needed God, you called her. When we were siphoning gas out of the pickup to put in the go-kart, and one of my cousins drank the gasoline, you called her. When I'm roller skating with my friends at the skating rink and I put my hand out to grab a pole to stop and it breaks both these bones in half and shoves them on top of each other, uh, you call her. Uh, when I'm a kid swinging on the clothesline in the backyard and I let go to jump like Tarzan, y'all know Tarzan? Oh, okay, right? I'm jumping like Tarzan and, and a wire hooked in my wrist right here. I still have the scar and it shoved that wire up in my wrist and I'm hanging and my feet can't touch the ground and I'm hanging and the blood's gushing down my arm and down my chest and my dad comes around because I'm screaming and he's coming to whip me because he said, if you holler again, I'm going to give you a whipping, but I didn't get one, thank God. <laughs> it took blood not to get it, but I, amen. All right, then you called grandma, right, on the way to the hospital, and we went to Northwest Texas Hospital over off 6th Street, and there's an old bar over there called the Circus, and it's still there. And when we drove by, my dad said, do you want to go to the circus? And I said, Dad, that's a bar. 
I always had a conscience. I was with my brother last week. That's what he said. You know what your problem is? You've always had a conscience. Thank God. Amen? Yeah. So you called her. Okay. Well, God was kind of a fireman in our life. We didn't call him in case of emergency. Some of you live like that. You have your Bible in a glass case. You have it closed. You have a little shrine around it. You have a little hammer in the chain, and you only break it in case of an emergency. I didn't want to live like that. I wanted to have a daily walk with God. I wanted to know God in my life every single day in good times and in bad. I wanted to know him at the hospital in the emergency room, but then I wanted to know him when things were going good. And so we began to make the decision that we wanted to be all in in this thing called Christianity. Let me read to you. It says, but when the Pharisees, I'm reading Matthew 22, verse 34, out of the New King James. But when the Pharisees heard that they had silenced, that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Now, these were two groups uh, of Jews who were religious leaders, and it says that they've combined together to go after Jesus. It says, one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, and said, teacher, talking to Jesus, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, they're trying to trick him. See, now, they're Jews. They live under the Old Covenant, and they had all kinds of laws and rules and regulations. And what they're basically trying to do is set him up for failure and trick him. And they said, hey, tell us what the greatest law is. Listen to what he says. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Another translation says, with all your strength. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like this. They didn't ask about the second, but he goes ahead and tells them, you should love your neighbors yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Here's what he said. He said, the answer to your religion is love. Listen to me. The answer to your Christianity is love. We decided that we were going to fall in love with Jesus. We decided that we were going to go all in, that we weren't going to be Christians on Sunday. We weren't going to be weekend Christians. We weren't going to do it when it was convenient. We weren't going to do it when we liked it. We weren't going to do it when our family was out of town so they wouldn't know. We decided we were going to fall in love with Jesus. Listen, it'll change your Christian walk with God if you'll fall in love with Jesus. That's what's wrong with lots of Christians walk with God. They know the rules. They know the regulations. They're in church to keep the rules. They're trying their best, but they lack one thing. They haven't fallen in love with Jesus. Listen, when you love Jesus with all your heart, worship is easy. Being in church is easy. Reading your Bible is easy. It will change everything in your life. It changed everything in our life. Listen, when I'm with my wife, it's never drudgery. It's never duty. It's never responsibility. Do you know why? Because I love her. We just got back from vacation, and we spent a week together with our children and our children's mates, and we had a wonderful time. You know why? Because we love each other. I borrowed some toys from my brother to take to Red River, and then when we got home, he lives in Hollis, Oklahoma, over across the Red River. He's a heathen. He's an Okie. And he's actually not. He's a Texan, but he's just over there. We took the toys back to him, and on the way, Vicky and I, she wanted to stop in Childress, and we stopped, and we shopped in Childress, and hung out, and had a big time, and ate out together, and I wasn't discouraged, I wasn't distraught, I wasn't bugged, I wasn't doing it out of duty or responsibility, I wasn't doing it to get points, I wasn't doing it hoping that she'd leave me alone for a while. You know why? Because I'm in love with her. 
head over heels, toenails to hair, whatever's left. I just got a haircut yesterday. It does look nice, by the way. Toenails to hair, I'm in love with her. I never get tired of seeing her. I never get tired of being with her. Never. Never. We've been married almost 40 years, and I never get tired of seeing her. When she walks into a room, I'm always excited. Do you know why? I'm in love with her. Now, think if you had that with Jesus. Wow. Wow. It changes everything. He's no longer a stranger. I always love atheists. Ah, God doesn't exist. You know, that's like saying Dylan doesn't exist. Dylan's sitting right there on that front row. He's been gone for a while, but he's back, and he's alive. Amen? He's right there. And if you told me Dylan doesn't exist, I'd say, well, come up after the service, and I'll introduce you to him. That's stupid. He exists. Well, when you say God doesn't exist, you know what I want to say? Come over to my house in the morning, and I'll introduce you to him. Because I spend time with him every single day. I talk to him in the morning when I get out of bed. I get my coffee. I get my chair outside because it's summer. I like to go out and watch the dawn. I like to go out when the stars are still out and watch the, you can see the satellites go over. And then jet airplanes go over. The last two mornings there's been shooting stars. And I go sit out there with Jesus and we talk and we have an amazing time. And if you don't know him, come by. I'll introduce you to him. He's real. And he exists in my life, and I'm absolutely in love with him. And it's changed our church experience. It's changed my prayer life. It's changed my Bible reading. So I don't do any of that out of drudgery. I don't do any of that to get points. I don't need points. I'm square with him, and he loves me. And during praise and worship this morning, here's what I'm thinking. Lord, I can't wait to be together with you forever. I can't wait to see you face to face. I can't wait to hug your neck. I can't wait to walk the streets of gold with you. I can't wait. I honestly feel that in my heart. Now, I don't have a death wish. I don't want to die. I don't want to go home. I don't mean any of that. But I love Jesus, and it changed us. Listen, fall in love with Jesus. Now, listen, love is risky. Amen? If you love, I guarantee you you're going to be hurt. Let me tell you a couple of powerful things. Everybody in this room has been hurt by one way or another. When my father died February 2nd, 1974, in an accident at his job, it's the greatest pain I've ever experienced in my entire life from that point to this day. I've never experienced pain like that in my life. And you know what it makes you do? It makes you shut down your heart. And you decide that love is too risky and that I'm not going to love anymore. And so you know what I did? I had a rummage sale in my heart. Really, I got rid of everything. I moved all the furniture out so nobody could get in there and sit down or lay down. I sold all the stuff out of my heart, and I moved everybody out of my heart except for when I got married, my wife. Then I had my children, and for a while, I thought maybe I'd move them out too because love is risky because if you love, you're going to be hurt. C.S. Lewis says, don't even love an animal because what do animals do? They die. So love is risky. And you think, man, I can't love. But listen to me. The same steel that protects your heart keeps God out. When we were on vacation two weeks ago, my daughter has a friend she went to college with. And she saw on uh, media that this little girl had a 10-month-old baby that was choked and choked to death at the babysitter and died. 
It ruined my day. I, I don't know the little girl. I didn't know the baby. I, I didn't grieve because of Ashley. It broke my heart. I can't explain to you what it felt like. I was so grieved over that child dying. And here's what I thought to myself. It hurts too much to love. I'm not going to do it. But listen, I don't want to live like that. I don't, I, I'm willing to take the risk. Because I've been hard. Many of you are hard. And I, I was doing a class one time with some women who've been in uh, abusive relationships. And this lady told me, I was talking about this very subject. And this lady told me, she said, I'm going to teach my children to be hard to protect them. And I said, you don't want to do that because you're going to protect them from life. You're going to protect them from love. And when you do, what happens is you become the living dead. You see, when you guard your heart and you won't let anybody in, you won't let Jesus in, you won't let anybody else in because you've been hurt, then basically you're the walking dead. Now, in a weird sort of way, it felt good to hurt. You know why? It made me realize that my heart was open and that I did care because I've been cynical, I've been angry, I've been distanced, and many of you have and many of you are. Anytime you're around people that are cynical, I can tell you why they're that way. They've been hurt. And they don't want to hurt again. That's exactly how I felt after February 2nd, 1974. I'm never going to let this happen again. But thank God, God began to heal me. Now, back from then to right now, he healed me and restored me. And listen, I want to love. Can I encourage you to love? Can I encourage you to let your guard down? Now, here's how you do it. Okay, Pastor, great. I want to love Jesus more. How do I do it? It's very simple. All you got to do is this. Every single day, tell Jesus you love him. Tell him. I do it every day. Jesus, I love you. I tell my wife every day I love her. Not every day. I tell her about every 30 minutes. I love her. Honey, I love you. When she got dressed this morning, I said, man, you look beautiful. She said, don't say anything in church about it. But she's in the nursery, so I can. Man, she looked beautiful. I said, baby, you look so beautiful this morning. I tell her I love her. Now, a lot of you grew up without hearing that, and I know many of you did. And you maybe never had your dad tell you that he loved you, or maybe you never heard that in your family. Listen, if you, and I'm not saying, if, if your dad never told you he loved you, I'm not saying that he didn't, he just never said it. But you don't be that person. Listen, tell your children you love them. Tell your mate that you love them. Learn to do that in your family. Don't be afraid to say, hey, I love you. I tell my wife I love her. I tell my children I love them. I had an aunt one time, and, uh, and she's, she's still around, and I told her I loved her one time on the phone. And she said, you don't mean it. You just say that as a form of saying goodbye. Well, she's hurt. She's hurt. But I do mean it. So tell Jesus you love him. Hey, Jesus, I love you. When I get up in the mornings and I go outside with my coffee and I lean my head back and I look at the stars, I think, man, Jesus, I love you. And I tell him, you do the same thing just throughout your day. Then what happens is you can start telling your wife, you can start telling your husband, you can start telling your kids. And you know what will happen? Love will begin to grow on the inside of you. My wife always says you have to cultivate love. You cultivate love. How do you do it? You do it by saying it and by living it. If you'll fall in love with Jesus, it'll change your life. It moves your relationship from duty to relationship. It's what happens. You see, Jesus didn't come and die to make bad men good. He came to make dead men alive. 
You see, my heart was dead. And then Jesus came and changed me, and now I'm alive. And if you know Jesus, you're alive. And you cultivate that love on the inside of you. Jesus, I love you. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful that we have a relationship. Honey, I love you. Ashley, I love you. Kurt, I love you. Say it. Say it. Cultivate it in your family. Cultivate it in your relationship with God. Listen, it changed me. It changed me. It changed my life. It changed my walk with God. See, so none, none of my relationship with God is a drudgery anymore because it's based on love. Now, listen, love's the most powerful force in the universe, right? It's what held Jesus to the cross, not nails. You know that, right? Right? You know, you know Jesus is a Jedi warrior, and he could have hopped down and killed everybody. You know that, right? You know, his lightsaber was hanging there the whole time. You know that, right? Right, you know that. You know there were 10,000 angels there. They just couldn't see him, right? All he would have had to have done was said, Michael, and they would have all appeared out of nowhere. And Michael was standing there with his lightsaber, and he just said, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Well, they'd have killed everybody and left. Right, Jesus wasn't murdered. Jesus willingly gave his life for you. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the warrior of all warriors. He's the man of all men. He gave his life for us. Love held him there. Don't ever think love is weak or love is compromised. Well, love is compromised. No, it's not. No, love breaks down the gates of hell. Love puts the devil on his knees. Love exalts Jesus. Don't ever think love is weak. I'm not loving. That's what weaklings do. Are you kidding me? No, there's no greater love than a man lay down his life for his friends, right? We call those men and women what? Heroes. So, fall in love. Fall in love with Jesus. This afternoon, when you're doing your deal, whatever you're doing, say, Jesus, I love you. In the morning, when you get up, you're driving to work, whatever you're doing, say, man, Jesus, I love you. Do it privately. You don't have to do it in front of anybody. Okay? It's not, it's not public display, but it's just saying, man, Jesus, I love you. It'll change your Christian life. It'll change your walk with God. Y'all stand up. Let's pray. Praise God. Y'all didn't know Jesus was a Jedi, did you? That's not in the Bible, but I can show it to you later sometime. All right. All right. Father, we love you. We say it so much, Lord, but I, I want to stop. I want to take a moment, and I want it to be real and honest. Jesus, I love you with all my heart. And I'm thankful that the love on the inside of me came from you. And that you loved me first before I ever loved you. Lord, would you stir in us love that we would be able to say, I love Jesus. And Lord, I know that it changes us. It'll change our life when we decide that we love you. And that we'll never be the same. Lord, strengthen us, refresh us, and encourage us with your love today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Everyone said, amen. amen. Y'all go and be blessed. I love you.